This is April 4th, and this is the Bruins Beat, presented by FanDuel on CLNS Media. Welcome back into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. And on this episode, Connor Ryan and I get into some award talk, some big picture awards, though, because I know the next couple weeks, next hopefully couple months are going to be a lot of playoff centric stuff. So we get into uh, David Postrock as a heart candidate, obviously not going to win. But how good is his case if Connor McDavid wasn't doing as well as he is because Connor McDavid is kicking ass, as you guys all know. So we get into Postrock and how good of a season he's had and potentially getting 60 goals, which would be quite a feat, I must admit, quite a feat for Postrock to do that. We also get into Linus Olmark certainly should win the Vesna. We get into his season uh, and evaluate his candidacy for the Vesna. Uh, we also get into a big question I think that's going to hit as the playoffs get even closer. Could the Bruins potentially play both Olmark and Swayman? In the playoffs. So we get into all of that and more in this episode, which as always is brought to you by our good friends over at FanDuel. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan, presented by FanDuel. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. And Connor, I want to, we're going to jump right in because there were a lot of games, this two games this weekend. It's a lot in NHL terms. Uh, but I remember back at the beginning of the year, you had said that the Bruins would beat the St. Louis Blues in the Stanley Cup and, you know, to, to cap everything off, to cap off an incredible season. And you were basically almost right in this prediction in that they almost did something sweeter on Sunday. Maybe not sweeter. I mean, Petrov McGuire was tweeting that the Bruins had won game seven. That was the real game seven. They had finally won. Um, but they kind of, not the last laugh, the, you know, the winning a Stanley Cup is much bigger. I'll say that. But the Bruins do get the satisfaction of in their best season ever, they get to knock out the St. Louis Blues from playoff contention. That had to have felt kind of nice. So you were you were pretty close on that. I'll give you credit. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll go with that. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of disappointing. I was expecting like a Jordan Binnington fight in a game like that, especially after Bruins, what, scored two goals in like 40 seconds. I'm like, oh, here comes the meltdown. But alas, alas, Evan. We'll take what we can get out of the Jordan Binnington uh, content bowl of the things he, of his fights and everything like that. Um, but yes, uh, knocking the Blues out of the playoffs done. I feel bad for Tory Krug. I'll, I'll say that. I do feel bad for Tory Krug a lot. Guy I thought should have won a Stanley Cup here. Um, you know, obviously, I think that's something. It's funny. I remember we did a lot of uh, podcasts and stories about Tory Krug at the time. And, you know, we kind of both said the same thing of really good player, deserves the bag. Bruins really can't give it to him. You know, just didn't. Re- you you could tell at 30 years old that was a contract that really wouldn't age great. Um, and you're seeing it now a little bit in St. Louis, even at this deadline, there were, you know, should Tory Krug be traded, you know, this and that. So it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. Um, but, you know, he still made a lot of money. So there is that uh, silver lining to it all. Um, speaking of people, by the way, who've made a lot of money and will be making a lot of money, David Pasternak 
uh, continues to roll. You had a great tweet over the weekend saying that it's very underrated how whenever the Bruins are without star players like Bergeron or Marchand or McAvoy or whomever, um, David Pasternak always steps up. You saw it against Carolina a few weeks ago. Uh, you saw it uh, against Pittsburgh on Saturday, scores a hat trick um, with some freaking snipes. And then on Sunday with the, you know, he didn't carry the team, but a really nice pass to Tyler Bertuzzi in front of the net uh, goal was, wasn't called off thankfully for Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, but it brings up an interesting point in that Pasternak has had an incredible season. I mean, incredible. And we talked about this a few weeks ago when he had 50 saying that it really was not a stretch to think this, but you know, he's not going to win the award, but I would say right now he's probably second in Hart Trophy consideration. If Connor McDavid didn't exist, Poshnok's probably the Hart Trophy guy, right? He's right in that mix, right? And I, I think you look at him, yes, he's not maybe as complete of a player or as central to the team's success like a guy like McDavid, obviously. But I think, yeah, you look at what he did these last couple of games, that game against Carolina on the road as well. Uh, it's one of those situations where you look at Pasternak's game and there's plenty of games where uh, he either, you know, turns over the puck, he's doing trying to do a little bit too much, what have you, and everyone will reply on Twitter like, I don't know, like $11.5 million for this guy. Like, is it really worth it? He has a lot of turnovers. And yes, like, again, there are times where he, it can be kind of frustrating to watch where I think he tries to do too much. I think there's games like Pittsburgh where he's a cheat code. And you're like, this is why it's worth it. This is, And you know what? Those situations tend to happen a lot more or make more of an impact on a game than a, a bad entry or, you know, a misplayed puck or what have you. They tend to, to work themselves out, right, uh, in terms of what he brings to this team every single every single game. Um, and you look at just what he did against uh, Pittsburgh in that game where it was just a man on a mission. You look at how good he was against the Blues. Um, it, it's one thing if he wasn't already part, you know, he's part of a roster that is stacked with talent. Obviously, you look at a team that's already at 60 wins, like, you know, uh, how, how important he is. But in those situations where you don't have Bergeron or Krejci or the guys um, in there, he is always seems to have stepped up and elevated his game. So you hope that continues, especially once you get to the playoffs um, and continue a few of those. I mean, there's a few of those sequences over these last couple of games where I think if you're the opposing team, you to like shrug your shoulders, right? It wasn't like it was like a, a D zone lapse would have you. It's just an elite player making an elite offensive zone play. And it's not much you can do. That's a sign of a very, very good player. Not much you can do there uh, at all. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, the McDavid thing is insane. I mean, if you look at Connor McDavid's stats, first in goals, first in assists, that means he's first in points too, mathematicians over here. Um, but you look at, first of all, I mean, McDavid, in my eyes, is the most dominant player in all of sports. I don't think there's a player who dominates a professional league like Connor McDavid. I mean, McDavid is in his own class. I think of all athletes right now, Mahomes, McDavid, Trout. I don't think anyone is as dominant to their, uh, of the four major sports, MLB, NBA, uh, NFL, and um, NHL, obviously. Duh. Caitlin Clark, though, from Iowa, you could make an argument, yes. is is right up there, but that's, you know, that's college. Um, but no one's as dominant as McDavid is. Uh, but you know, Poshnok, 56 goals so far, still five games to play as we sit here on Monday. McDavid's at 62. McDavid's on a crazy pace. I don't know if Poshnok catches him, but there's like a sliver of hope there, Connor, that if things go like really crazy, like maybe Poshnok catches McDavid for the most goals. Do you think there's any chance that this happens? Uh, I mean, 
It'd be one thing if you're already relying on David Posnark to go as the kids say sicko mode over these sicko last couple mode, of games, yes. right? Go sicko mode, yes. but also you're relying on the other flip side of that of McDavid to cool down, which I don't think is happening. No, so, not again, happening. Uh, listen, if Pos- I, I wouldn't put it past Posnark, you know, getting another four goals in the next five games, would not put it past him at all, right? That being said, I don't see him catching up to McDavid in terms of just McDavid suddenly, unless literally the, the Oilers just don't play him the last couple of games. Uh, I don't see a situation where McDavid is being held up the score sheet once again in any of these last couple of games that Edmonton has. So, which again, it's too bad that if Pasternak even hit 60 goals, how great of an accomplishment that is. I know only the second Bruin to hit that after Esposito. And he's still going to finish up runner up to the guy who's probably the best player we've seen since Gretzky, right? So, alas, what can you do? At that point, much like how teams defend against Pasternak, Pasternak himself, they shrug your shoulders. Shrug your shoulders. Yeah, nothing, nothing you could do there. I mean, what are you going to do on that? Um, and so again, I mean, with him, uh, yeah, probably not going to hit it. But uh, fun to to be in the race, even though it's not like a Sosa McGuire type thing. It's you know, a little different with the with these two guys to even be in the same class as McDavid to even be spoken in the same breath of could he? I think is an accomplishment in and of itself. Um, and you're seeing that on display this year. Uh, someone who should win their uh their honor is Lena Solmark winning the Vesna. Uh, we've talked about this all year. Uh, the numbers back it up. Um, obviously, yes, there are guys like Connor Hellebuck out there who are having incredible seasons for teams that are worse than the Bruins, hundred percent. But I still think, you know, as we wind down the regular season, I kind of like to talk about these awards because we're going to be talking playoffs for so long. So it's nice to kind of button these things up before the, before the playoffs hit, there are going to be some national writers out there. And I don't blame them. You know, they have not seen the Bruins as much as, you know, look, we have not seen a lot of teams out there consistently. We're not watching Coyotes games every night. I mean, maybe you are. I don't know. It'd be crazy if you were. Um, But I do think there are going to be some national writers who overthink it a bit and think I got to go with the goalie who um, is on a worse team. I think this, you know, in some years, that's the case. I remember, I think it was, was it 2020 when Hellebuck also went sicko mode and Rask technically had the better like numbers, but Hellebuck was on the worst team uh, and Hellebuck mm-hmm. ended up winning. I believe, did Hellebuck won that Vesna, right? If, if memory I believe serves. he did, right? Yeah, I think he did. I don't think Rask won that one. Um, But this is a case I think Olmark should have this Vesna clearly in the bag. Yeah, I, I think it's something where you look at it, yeah. It's kind of like the argument you have in a couple, like, uh, what was it? The year that, like, Felix Hernandez either won or should have won, where I think his, like, record, like, was, what, like, 12 and 15 or something, but he had, like, a 2.12 ERA or something like yes. that. So it's like, all right, yes. on a really bad team, like, don't let wins and losses dictate all the, those things. So, yeah, you look at, like, a team, like, I don't know, Hellebuck, who's uh, 17 and 13 with like a 260 ERA or something like that. You're like, all right, like probably could have 20 wins on better team, but like Olmark is like 25 and three with like a 212 ERA. Like it's not, it's literally, he's got the the baseline sets and sometimes can be taken out of context, but then you dive into it more and whether it's expected goals, uh, high danger, save percentage, all that stuff, he's been money in those as well. So again, I could see why, like, I, I think a lot of voters want to do, and you hope this is the case, want to do their due diligence to be like, all right, is there someone we're missing? Is there something diving d- deeper into it where Omar hasn't had a tough workload because the defense and the team in front of them, which again, Bruins have a stacked roster. That's no doubt, like no doubt about that. But this team is probably, uh, you know, how many fewer points will they have if Omar 
uh, wasn't on his game for so many times this season, especially early on when he'd really build this team out to get them on that stretch. Like who knows how much this team kind of builds on this, uh, on this season, if they didn't go out to whatever it was 11 and one start, right? Like when you had so many question marks early on in the year, treading water, all these things, um, he was key uh, out of the gate there for them. So yeah, it's one where I could see voters wanting to, you know, dive in and assess those situations. You just hope they also look into Olmark's, you know, underlying numbers as well, because whichever way you want to look at it, you know, record, saves, save percentage, expected goals, all of it makes Olmark look the clear-cut Vezina winner. And he has a goal. And he, he has a goalie of a goal? That helps. That is true. Mm, you you no, make they a don't. argument. You make they a don't. argument, Evan. They don't. But no, I mean, the numbers are just absurd. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk uh, Olmark and Swayman here in a bit. Um, but again, I, I just, I don't see how he doesn't win the Vesna. I feel like I'm seeing more and more national people saying he should win the Vesna, that it would shock me if he didn't. Um, yes. But again, I do think there will be national people who say, hey, I value Hellebuck more and what he did more than um, a guy like Olmark. But again, I still think Olmark should have the Vesna. Uh, and it's it's interesting that a, like a year ago, a year ago, still the narrative was it should have got someone better. That Olmark's not worth the money. Now looks like it's pretty worth the money. So there is that. Uh, one thing I do want to touch on that we haven't touched on in quite a while, I feel like, uh, is playoffs are going to come around. And as we talked about Linus Olmark, uh, Olmark's had such an incredible year. But we talked about this a little bit at the start of the year. Uh, he's never played this much. This is a first. Uh, both him and Swayman, A, have never played this much, and B, have have no playoff experience really they, you know they had one round last year it didn't go so hot uh but this year uh obviously they're gonna have to be on their game and historically one goalie gets hot in the playoffs carries them through and uh you know hot goalie wins the stanley cup you know Tuka Rask. Uh, excuse me well they thought Tuka Rask do that in 2019 uh great numbers great numbers uh tim thomas in 2011 jonathan quick all those years and you don't ever see two goalies switching off but this is a weird situation for a very unique team in that you have two goalies who are at the top of the league in almost every statistic. They've both been outstanding. Um, Swayman, since January 1st, has completely found his game um, and has been you know terrific. Is there any chance they go back and forth? Because obviously Omar is the starter. Omar is going to be the guy. But do they say, hey, you know what? Game four... Let's give it to Swayman, you know. Um, is there any chance that happens? I mean, I can only really see it happening if, like, Omar has two or three, or I think probably two has to be. You can't, you can't have three. <laughs> three, that's a little tough. They're kind of, <laughs> asking, unless, yeah, unless you're switching series or what have you. But um, it, it's going to be tough because I, I feel like if and you look at how Jim Montgomery operates and so much about instilling confidence, I think that's something he's always talks about is being positive, being uh, transparent with his players, always focusing on the positives. If it's something negative, you say it, let it sit for a second, and then, you know, focus on the next play and it can, you kind of build guys up as opposed to tear them down and having them kind of process the game as it's happening. So it, it's tough in that regard to to have that be your mantra and then all of a sudden have it be like, all right, old Mark, like you got game one, you're a Vezina winner. But like it also will probably be Swayman. And I understand that's probably, that sucks for Swayman, right, where he's been fantastic, especially over the last uh, you know, half the season since the, the calendar flipped over to 2023. But if Allmark is playing at a high level, I don't see it being a situation where you you mess with a good thing, right? Like it's, um, 
I think like with Swayman in the playoffs, you have the the best break glass in case of emergency situation, right? There's so many other teams where if a goalie doesn't have like look at like the Penguins in the playoffs that was it two years ago with Jari where you just had a complete meltdown. If that if that was to happen, the Bruins have a fantastic contingency plan in place. Or was it 2013 um, when Flurry went down and they had to- or he wasn't playing well, so they put in like Thomas Bocoon? Yes, yes, exactly. So if that happens, like the Bruins have a fantastic, um, you know, backup option there. But it's tough when you look at just how good Olmark has been this year. I still think he's the number one goalie, obviously. And going to playoffs, barring like a severe dip in his game, I, I just don't see it being a situation where, like, let's say the Bruins are going into a pivotal game five and Olmark's been. Eh, so far, and they switched to Swayman. Like it's, you know, it's something where all of a sudden this new narrative pops up in the middle of this pivotal series of like, all right, they losing faith on Olmark. Like what, what's going to happen? Is Swayman? He hasn't played in two weeks. Like Z Cold going into such a, a pivotal series. Like so many more, you know, avenues for I don't know, criticism is the right word, but second guessing all that stuff. It just gets to you get to a messy point in terms of like tangling up those narratives if you uh, hit a, a section there where. You are kind of going back and forth. So um, I, I think Olmark's still the guy. I mean, that's no indictment on Swayman. It's Olmark's been the best goalie in the league, for the best team in the league. So um, that's how I just kind of see it playing out. But again, it is the playoffs. So who knows what can happen between now and then? A lot, a whole lot can change. We talked about an interesting narrative with the trade deadline for many months. And we said, you know, this team is great as is you don't need to do a lot to it don't trade pieces off the current roster if you don't have to you know except for guys like craig smith like you know don't break it it's not you don't have to fix it it's fine um it feels like the goaltending is a similar situation where you don't need to overthink this you've been given a great hand if you're jim montgomery uh, and goalie bob and, and the whole staff like you 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 have the right pieces you have two really good goalies but you have a vesna winner the best goalie in the entire league in Linus Olmark. You, you don't need to overthink this. Just let him play. Like, just yes. let it go, you know? And obviously, as you said, if, if if you are playing the Leafs in round two and Olmark just completely is awful in games one and two, yeah, you might have to go to Swayman in game three. But just alternating them and saying, oh, Linus has games one, two, and three, but four is going to go to Swayman, and then we'll... Like, that's, a, that's you know, that's asking a lot. So... Yes. Again, I understand why some people think it's, you know, not a bad idea because if any team could do it, it's them. They have the guys to do it. I think you could get by by doing that if you really wanted to, but I still think when it comes to confidence and when it comes to just doing the typical thing, you don't need to overthink this. You do not need to uh, add that element to the playoffs when um when you don't have to. Now again, when it comes to like the fourth line, if you want to switch that up based on matchups, if you want to switch up you know, uh, who were your six defensemen uh, against a certain team because of a matchup? That's one thing. But to do it with goaltending, I think, is where um, it gets kind of kind of weird. I mean, again, I mean, maybe you could throw Swayman in for a game here and there, but I just don't see the point to it. It's the playoffs. Everybody's tired. <laughs> Everybody's yes. tired in the playoffs. No one is no one is fresh in the playoffs. So uh, everyone is dealing with that. I can assure you. Um, before we go, though. Uh, the fourth line is an interesting thing. I know we talked about this a little bit on a recent poke the bear. Um, you know, again, I think if Felino returns, we both agree Felino, no second Hathaway should be the fourth line. But Lauko's played his way, I think, into contention at least to at least make things interesting. Um, even guy like Trent Frederick, you know, if Taylor Hall does come back, you know, does Frederick 
get bumped from the lineup as well. Feels like that could also be a possibility. Uh, but Lauko at least is kind of in that, I think has played himself into not a playoff starter, but if they need a guy in a pinch, if someone gets injured, I think he's someone that you kind of can put out there on, on a fourth line. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, he's been very candid and transparent about, you know, his thought process and, you know, realizing that yes, I think he when is. he first, <laughs> yes, he's been very upfront. Uh, but you look at where he was when he got drafted, and I think he had the potential of being a, a top six offensive minded winger. And you look at the way, you know, his, his speed is and his puck play. And he's a guy that I think if you give him a, a full-time spot on like a, a fourth line and he could be a guy that can give you 10 goals or, you know, 20 points, just the way he kind of buzzes around the net. Um, but, you know, he's been cognizant of the fact that he has to do stuff outside of just scoring. He's not going to have a whole lot of scoring chances. He's not going to have a lot of ozone time, no power play time. So you got to make the most of the limited reps you have. So whether that's dropping the gloves and getting guys energized or, you know, uh, adding in pressure on the forecheck. He's doing all the little things um, that has really helped out this team. He's been fantastic this year in terms of um, drawing penalties. I think I, I looked it up. He's averaging, I think, four drawn penalties per 60 minutes at five-on-five five play, which is tops out of any player with 150 five-on-five uh, five minutes. So and I think That's number staggering. two is – Yeah, I think number two is Clem Costin of Edmonton. I think he's at 2.72. So it's an absurd number that he's drawing in terms – and it's, again – uh, uh, being a pain in the ass after the whistle, uh, being in on the four check, uh, beating guys to lose pucks and, you know, getting hooked and all these other things that uh, if the Bruins power players operating at a higher rate, which it seems like they are kind of turning the corner. But if you have a guy like Lauko who can in, the, in those limited times, lay out a guy, uh, drop the gloves and kind of spark some momentum and get you on the power play one or two times, that can go a whole long way in terms of a guy that's only getting, seven, eight, nine minutes in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah, like he might be the odd man out uh, going into the playoffs if guys come back healthy, but he even said it after this game on uh, last Thursday. Like, I, I know where I sit in the lineup if, if Hall and Felino come back, but what I want to do is put myself in a position that if they need to switch things up or guys get injured, I want to be one of the first guys called into it. And I think we've mentioned it before, whether it's the seven guys on defense, you got guys like Lauko and Greer and all these other guys. All of them are going to have to, you know, pull in the same rope once you get to the playoffs. Like all these guys are going to have at least one signature play or moment that's probably going to stand out if this team goes on a long playoff run. Completely agree. Completely agree. It'll be interesting uh, to see when that happens. But Connor, uh, what can people look forward to from you over Boston.com? Yeah, we're going to have you covered every step of the way with game recaps, columns, features, breakdowns, all that good stuff over at Boston.com. So please follow along over there. Of course, we cover more than just the Bruins. So whether it's Red Sox season now starting up. Patriots offseason. Celtics getting ready for their playoff run. We covered every step of the way over at Boston.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. And the Red Sox are 2-1 and one as of Monday. So World Series is on, Connor. World Series is yeah, on. Let's go. They're winning it. They're winning it this year. I can t- I can feel it. I can feel it in the okay. air. Um, no, I can't cool. actually. Uh, that's why tickets for uh, Monday's game and we're recording this on Monday. I think I saw tickets are as low as like four dollars. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you saw four. I saw five. Uh, Red Sox Pirates. Not a bad deal. I mean, I'll see. I'll see you over there, Evan. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go together. Uh, but anyways, Connor and people, make sure to subscribe to doing an hockey journal uh, as well. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Maradovsky. You Bruins beat listeners. Have a great rest of your week. <laughs>